Welcome back, everyone. Episode 64 of Totally Talking Sports uh, coming at you over Zoom. Uh, we're back to doing Zoom probably for the next little while, at least probably until Timmy gets back. Um, but still better timing this week, uh, actually on a Thursday, not on, on a Friday again. So that's nice. Um, it's going to be very football centric episode again uh, because there's a lot going on in football right now. We are uh, one week away from the Super Bowl. Um, got some coaching stuff to talk about. So you got a lot going on. Um, but before we get into anything, Kyle, how you doing? I am doing all right, my man. Um, again, like same thing as last week, just working from home. We're actually going back to work at the office next week. Okay. Um, so bittersweet. Um, you know, I feel cooped up here a lot, but I like working from home. So yeah. It's a, it's a real dilemma that I got myself in here now. Um, no more hanging out with the wife and the dog and the kitty. So other than that, I really got nothing else too much going on, man. Okay. How about you? Uh, it's been good. Been normal week for me. It's been pretty busy at work, but outside of that, um, nothing much going on. I don't really – can't really remember what I did this weekend, but it wasn't much uh, <clears throat> other than watch the games on Sunday. Um. Yeah, I mean, like I said, work's been busy for me, but I just come home and Brittany's been doing dinners. So I just come home and food's ready. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And we yeah. sit down, have some nice, nice food. Um, but yeah, no, I don't really have much going on either. So let's just jump right into it. So let's uh, jump right into some Kyle Sports news. We did not know we cared about. Perfect. Um, just a little bit, kicking it off with the NBA. Um, ESPN had an all women crew versus for the Golden State Warriors versus Utah Jazz game. What was that thing yesterday? Um, first time in history that it was an all women's thing. Uh, they had, I think it was two, yeah, two reporters, one like on the ground, and then all 33 women were the ones that were handling the production roles on site in Salt Lake City. So um, if you guys watched the game last night, no men was doing that. No man was doing it. First time in history. Um, and then the Kobe trophy was revealed. And man, what an absolute gorgeous masterpiece that thing is, huh? Yeah. Um, so it's been given several elements to incorporate accomplishments from throughout Bryant's legendary 20-year NBA career, including an eight-sided base representing the number eight jersey that Bryant wore for the first half of his career. The base is two inches tall, referencing his 2002 All-Star Game MVP and has 18 stars to represent his 18 all-star selections. The first level brings the height up to seven inches tall, referencing his 2007 all-star game MVP, and has, had, and has 24 stars to represent both the number of all-stars and number 24, which he wore in the second half of his career. The second level is made to make it nine inches tall, referencing his 2009 all-star game MVP, and has 10 stars representing both the 10 starters in the game and Bryant's number 10 team USA jersey. Holy hell. <clears throat> and then the third level gets it to 11 inches tall, referencing his 2011 All-Star Game MVP and has five stars representing his five NBA titles with the Los Angeles Lakers. And then a two-inch fourth level representing his two NBA final MVP awards and has a single star for Bryant being named the MVP, NBA MVP in 2008. 
Jesus. Um, yeah. Um, I knew that they like, you know, made it after him, but I didn't know that it had like this much like relevance to what he did. Yeah. Um, so I was literally astonished. Like, the thought that went into that, they're like, hmm, it's about nine inches tall. Well, fuck, in 2009, he was the all-star game MVP. Yeah. You know, so I don't know, that was absolutely, yeah, that's crazy how they just incorporated all of that into their um, NHL. Pat Verbeek hired as the Anaheim Dokes. Dokes, Jesus Christ. Anaheim Ducks general manager. Um, oh, God, my God. I lost my damn thing. Spent two decades. Verbeek did. Spent two decades in the NHL as a gritty right winger. And 16 years as a front office executive preparing for the chance to run his own team. Um, he's already spoken out about how he's looking forward to building this team into a Stanley Cup winner. Um, this is a team that's already, obviously, I've talked about them in the past, is kind of on the rise right now. I mean, they're not doing absolutely amazing, but they're doing a whole hell of a lot better than they did last season, and they're making a lot of steps in the right direction. So he's he's very happy to come over and kind of help them put every, all the pieces together to be able to get to that point. Um, the previous head coach um, had to go out. Um, he retired, sorry, he was, uh, resigned in November 10th, I believe, um, just this last year. And he was going to a treatment program for alcohol abuse amid allegations of misconduct. Mm. So it was more of one of those things of like, uh, you know, I'm just going to step away and, uh, yeah. and, uh, do my thing. So Bob Murray, um, I mean, best of luck to you, but get the fuck out of here. So now we're on to Verbeek. And I'm pretty excited about it. Um, he had that kind of like attitude, like Dan Campbell, I felt like he just came in and was just this overwhelming, like positive attitude. And was like, yo, like we're going to get there. I want to help them kick ass. That's what we're going to do. So I love that. Um, NHL all-star weekend is this weekend. Always have fun watching it. It's one of my favorite things for hockey. Just, you know, they're doing who's the most accurate shooter and who can skate the best and who's the fastest and who has the hardest slap shot. Just a bunch of the random things, just like in uh, NBA and NFL. So I love to see it. And then the man that has been dominating all season, Ovechkin, will be out for the All-Star weekend due to COVID. Um, so bummer to him. So we had two absolute All-Stars have to miss it with Ovechkin and then McKinnon from the Avalanche also missing yeah. from his fractured face. Yeah. All right, MLB, guys, we've got some news on the MLB lockout. The news is that nothing has changed. Yeah. MLB <laughs> made an offer. Um, the Player Association made a counteroffer, and the MLB said that they would make another counteroffer, but instead um, came out and said that they want a federal uh, mediator. Yeah. I, I typed down meditator, so yeah. I, I had to correct work. myself right there. Mediator. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, I think I'm just going to make this my topic next week um, because there's more to dive into with, like, the details of what the offers were and I'm hoping that something else kind of unfolds in next week just to get a little bit more of an in-depth uh, update for all of the listeners. Yeah, because right now it's uh, like you know, spring training is most likely getting pushed back. So, yeah, it's like I think it's like almost going to be a certain here pretty soon. Yeah. And that was like why they're calling these people in this because they're like, hey, hopefully they'll help us come up with some resolution. It's like, but it doesn't seem like you guys want to budge and it doesn't seem like they want to budge when yeah. you know, for what they're asking for. So uh, I don't know. It's again, hopefully it's going to end soon so we can actually see um, some spring training, but I don't know. It's looking a little iffy right now. Yeah. Um, bouncing over to golf. 
um, last week was the Farmers Insurance Open. What an absolute goddamn electric um, tournament that it was coming down to a very close. I mean, the difference between the 20th person and first place was only five strokes, which I know it's a lot, but goddamn, that's a lot of people that are in that gap. Yeah. Um, so Luke List, I didn't know who the fuck that was. Never. I'll be honest. I didn't. Yeah, I've never heard of Luke List, um, but he came up and was able to tie it with Will Zalatoris to extend it into OT. And then Luke List shot a four on the 18th and Will shot a five on the 18th. So Luke List walking away with 1.5 mil and got 500 FedEx points for him right there. So, um, I mean, dude, shout out to Luke List. Uh, yeah. Again, yeah, didn't know who the fuck you were, but you climbed the list. Yeah. Of ah. um, and then currently this weekend, as it started today, we got the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Ooh. Um, defending champion. Daniel Berger, um, I don't even see him on here. So uh, he ain't doing so hot so far on the opening day. But right now it's Tim, uh, sorry, Tom Hoge, Tom Hogg at minus nine. Then we got the Irishman, Seamus Power at minus eight. And then we got a double weight tied for third with Jonas Blix and Austin Smotherman. Seamus um, I've heard of, yeah, I've, I've heard of none of these people. But Seamus Power might be. My new favorite golfer of all time. Man, I just want to – his name is, is just Siemens Power in my book from like yeah. forever. But. That is exactly how I'm going to reference that is uh, Siemens Power. So, um, my man, at tied for second, and then we're going into the weekend with that. So, that one again, so far from what I've seen, no absolute, you know, massive big names. Um, and we got oh, – oh, shit. Well, no, yeah, I got, got Jordan Spieth all the way down, tied for 33rd. Dude. It was the biggest name that I saw so far on the top ones. Um, and then going into NCAA football, we got Harbaugh announcing that he will return to Michigan. Sure. Um, I was surprised. I did not think that was going to happen. I think he'll get his ass mollywhomped this season. Um, maybe not mollywhomped, but he's not going to have the same success by any means. No. And then I think he's like, ah, fuck it. Okay, that's good NFL. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and then former Oklahoma Sooners. Quarterback Caleb Williams going to USC with Lincoln Riley. Shocker. Um, yeah, exactly. I, when this first happened with uh, Lincoln Riley, I felt like we kind of were like, ooh, is he going to go with them? And it's like, you know, people sign up for the coaches. You yeah. know, so it kind of just makes sense going there. And obviously, I wasn't excited to now also see that um, in USC. So, uh, fuck them. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got to say about that. And then jumping over to tennis. We've got Rafael Nadal overtakes Djokovic and Federer in the all-time men's Grand Slam single titles with 21 after beating Danny Medvedev this past weekend. Um, got the upper hand on him, and now Nadal is back on top um, for the all-time Grand Slam single titles. Solid. Good for him. All right. Now, wrapping it up with NFL. Um, we got a lot to talk about this one, guys. We're kind of throwing – kind of our topics in with this. So it's going to be a little bit of a big one here. All right. So just to kind of recap Washington commanders, it is official. Oh. In the last episode, we were spilling some of the leaked rumors, but is now hundred percent. And I'm just going to come out and say it. Their uniforms are just as bland as their name. Yeah. I mean, just it's, as bland. Pretty, I, it's clean, but that's. <clears throat> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it's, it's clean, but it's like, you know, but like just commanders. And then you have just like this, Plain looking logo. 
I saw a post that said they look like an XFL team that's coming in to take over for the Jaguars. Sounds I like, like right. I, I, yeah, I kind of see it. Like the little ad shot that they posted um, was just like very like cheesy the way they were standing, and you just you're like, wow, wow, okay. So that's that's what they went with. Yeah, um, Las Vegas Raiders hiring Josh McDaniels as their new head coach. Yep. Um, with the Harbaugh information coming out that he was not going there. And then they're moving on from uh, was Basaccia, uh, Josh McDaniels. Congrats to you, I guess. Um, sure. You know, so I mean, I'm I'm excited because I feel like the the Raiders do have potential, and they can be a good team. They're just so goddamn inconsistent, and that's what they need is someone to come in there and yeah, be. I, and I don't be know. Consistent. I don't know if Josh McDaniels is really head coach material. Like I know he did. You know, <clears throat> shit when he was the Broncos head coach. Um, and then I don't know, like he's just turned down or been turned down for a lot of head coaching jobs in the last few years. And I don't know how much of the Patriots like success on offense was him and how much was yeah. Belichick. And if it was Belichick's system or if it was actually a McDaniel system, and if it is McDaniel system. I don't really think Derek Carr is the quarterback to just dink and dunk his way through a game and then hit the long ball, like, you know, when it's there. Like, Derek Carr yeah. is like a take shots kind of a guy. So, yeah. I don't know how well that meshes, but, I mean, we'll have to see. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And then, guys, we got some real good news, all right? Green Bay Packers special teams coordinator, Maurice Drayton, is out, and he ain't coming back. Nice. Thank God. Um, I, I mean, biasly and probably unbiasedly, Packers had debatably the worst special teams last season. I don't think game argue with you on that. Yeah, last game. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like game after game during regular season, and then you go in to your first playoff game, coming off of your uh, your very earned one seeded bye week, and everything that you did was atrocious. And then go block a kick, you only had ten people in. Only had 10 people on the field. Yeah. The fuck is going anyway? So I was happy to see that. All right. <clears throat> and then I was going to go into Brian Flores. However, um, I'll just kick mine off first. Okay. So Tom Brady retires. Um, I mean, I know the Brian Flores thing this is very big and it's technically more relevant news, the most relevant news that's going on, but biggest news of the week, Tom Brady retiring. Um and then absolute phenom of a man retiring and then maybe not retiring and then actually yeah. yeah so retiring and then his like twitter page deleted that tweet saying you know and then he was like oh well, because no one knew yet and i guess the bucks hadn't been aware and then it came out officially hey i am retiring and then there was hey whoa you know he didn't mention the the patriots at all and so the kind of what i gathered from that was when he was like, hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get traded. I'm going to a different team. He did his whole thank you speech to them. Yeah. Now he went to the Bucks, and now he's doing his whole thank you speech. Like I feel like people really thought that that last little hey I'm quitting was his like big speech, and like it, it in my opinion at least it wasn't. You know, it was yeah. very well thought out and well written. But came out I think today or yesterday. You know he gave a shout out and thanked Belichick said he's the greatest coach of all time. And, you know, said, Hey, Patriots, like I'm always going to have love for you guys. So um, Tom Brady's doing Tom Brady things, uh, being the guy that everyone kind of, you know, used to hate him. And then 
it just came to that point where you couldn't not respect at the history that you were watching yeah. every single season. You know, it didn't matter who he had on his team. He had a chance to make it to the Super Bowl. And then if he made it to the Super Bowl, goddamn, you're, you, he only lost to shitty quarterbacks in the Super Bowls. Yeah. You know, um, two to Eli and the one to Nick Foles, which Nick Foles, the GOAT for backups, but it is what it is. So I'm just going to go over a little bit, some of his stats, right? And just going to go over some of uh, the NFL records that he, that he holds after retiring. So he has seven Super Bowl wins, which is first. He has 10 Super Bowl appearances, which is first. He has five Super Bowl MVPs, which is first. He has, oh, and by the way, his, oh, never mind, I'll get to that one. His NFL MVPs, he has three of them that's tied for second. He has 15 Pro Bowl selections, which is first. 316 games started, which is first. Playoff games started, 47, first. Regular season wins, 243 of them, which is first. And playoff wins, 35, which is first. That's more than uh, Steve Madden. Not Steve Madden. God damn it. Um, Steve Young? Steve Young. God damn it. I was like, no, not John Madden. Steve Young and Terry Bradshaw put together, who is second and third place. Yeah. So you take second and third, put them together. He's still got more than by five. Pass completions, 7,263 of them. That's first. Passing yards, 84,520. That's first. Passing touchdowns, 624. That's first. Playoff pass completions with 1,165. That's first. Playoff passing yards, 13,049. That's first. Playoff passing touchdowns, 86, which is first. And then 67 game-winning drives in his career, which is first. And then the fourth or fourth quarter comebacks with 51, which he's first. I mean, that's I don't even know how many fucking that many what that was. It was like 18 or something. Stupid but, amount of records. Yeah, stupid amount of records. Um, and this guy was the 199th pick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the best thing that's obviously ever happened to two the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, right. Two franchises. Um, the Buccaneers weren't shit, and then he comes in and wins a Super Bowl with them his first year after switching from the AFC to the NFC. And I mean, it was just everything about Brady's career was pretty dynamite. Um, you know, and, and you look back to even in the early years, you know, when they won it those first three times in like the four in like in four year span, and everyone's like, dude, fuck Brady, fuck the Patriots. The whole country hated him. And that didn't stop him. You know, that didn't phase him at all. If, if not, it probably made him even better and more determined to keep proving people wrong. And then goes on to win another one and then win another one and then win another one. Um, the things that he's been able to do and the dedication that he's had to the game is remarkable. Um, I, I was reading an article today about it and it's, you know, there's the off season and then he goes to like Costa Rica with his family on like a two week vacation every season, like every time the season's over. And then he comes back and he goes right back to training and right back to working and right back to grinding and practicing. And, you know, he'll throw like, you know, he's probably thrown a million fucking like drop passes in practice and in games combined. And every single time he goes to practice, he'll practice like a hundred, like uh check down throws. You know, he just, it's something that it doesn't matter how, how often he's done it. He's still perfecting it and still working on it to make sure that it doesn't get rusty and like, 
I mean, he started off this season breaking his own records. <laughs> you yeah. know, like he was setting records. He was on track to be MVP and everything. And he's fucking 44. That's why I didn't know if he was going to hold out and do it one more season. But from what it kind of sounded like is, you know, he had talked to his family and said, hey, I want I want two more seasons. Um, let me get that. And now he wants to just do his own thing, you know. And, and I'm sure he's going to be involved with football in one way or another where, you know, I've, I've seen multiple things saying that he should coach because he has that that drive and that killer perfectionist mentality to be able to help a team get to where they need to be and win, you know, a championship. Um Will he do it? I don't know, man. You got to think. This is a grueling process that he goes through um, all the time. But Tom Brady, dude, he's an absolute fucking stud. Um, if you split his career right down the middle between his first, like, 10 years and his, like, last, what, 11 years, 12 years, mm-hmm. he has two Hall of Fame Oh, he's got three. Careers. He has three. <laughs> you split I, it yeah, up, honestly, yeah. yeah. split it into thirds. Yeah, because, I mean, he has multiple – um, Super Bowl wins in, in pretty much any which way that you break it up. Like this guy defied all odds. He's going to be classified as probably the greatest athlete of all time. It, I mean, I think the only conversation would probably be him or Wayne Gretzky um, for just how dominant they were in their sport. And that's what it kind of comes down to. So um, amazing growing up and being able to hate somebody and then be able to appreciate <laughs> the skill once you get older and mature and go from hating the guy to just absolutely loving every game that you watch of him. Cause you know, you're just watching the greatest, um, you know, th- this is something like when, you know, our parents, you know, tell us from back in the day of, Oh man, this guy was, you know, Joe Montana was the best. Oh, by the way, it wasn't Steve Young. It was Joe Montana. Um, you know, you go, Oh yeah, Joe watching Joe Montana. Like that was the best, right. Oh, watching Muhammad Ali fight. That was the best. It's like, we didn't, we didn't get to see those. You know, but now we can tell our kids and our grandkids, yeah, I grew up watching Tom Brady play. You know, so it's just an amazing thing. Um, just wanted to kind of take the time on this episode to make sure we gave him his recognition um, for being one of the greatest athletes in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Tom Brady's not an athlete that's going to, like, miss getting his flowers. Like, everyone's going to give Tom Brady his flowers, but he just oh, yeah. it. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll probably end up going, like, reverse order here on – things that, that we talked about or that you talked about and brought up. Um, but as far as like coaching first, let's we'll start with that. I don't think Tom Brady, like what, how many head coaches do you know that were amazing quarterbacks, right? It's exactly. usually like backup quarterbacks or decent starting quarterbacks that have like this really great knowledge for the game and passion for the game, but weren't great. So they didn't play as long as they probably could have. And then they end up coaching. Um, I think that that's, that's where Tom Brady's going to end up is he was so great for so long. It's 22 years. Like the fact that Tom Brady <laughs> played in the NFL for 22 years is absurd. Like Adam Vinatieri, you know, is statistically probably the greatest field like kicker of all time. Right. I mean, Justin Tucker will surpass yeah. him, I think, and will be the greatest but, kicker of all time. Yeah. But currently yeah. Yeah, but right now it's Adam Vinatieri. Adam Vinatieri only kicked for 20 years. Tom Brady played quarterback in the NFL for 22 seasons. That's absurd. It's stupid. It doesn't even seem possible. Dude. Yeah. And so he, he played for so long that I don't see why he would want to, if he's, if he's ready to take his break and be with his family, 
he's going to be with his family. He's not going to take a year off and be like, oh, I miss football so much. I need to go back to coaching. Like that takes you, you're at you and your life away even more. So if he were to be a head coach, it wouldn't be for another 10 years, probably even, yeah. you know, and even by then he's probably not going to have the desire to do it. Cause he'll, he'll still probably be asked to do it, you know, be an analyst here and there and, offer his thoughts and he's still making millions of dollars off the fields all the time. Like he doesn't need to come back to, to the league at all, or, or really to football in depth at all. So I think this is a great place for him to leave off. Um, obviously it would have been great if he could have won a super bowl and that would have been, you know, him and Manning going out the same way. Like that would have been awesome, but this is still an amazing way to go out. Um, when we talk about all the records that he broke and, and just career wise and, um, I mean, season wise, or he has most passing touchdowns in a season. I'm pretty sure. Um, got Randy Moss the most receiving touchdowns in a season. Um, but in his in like his first year with Randy Moss, which is like you know, imagine what he could have done if he had amazing talent at receiver for his entire yeah. 22 years. Like if like he 2007, had, I think. Yeah, and everyone talks about Mahomes the number he's putting up. <clears throat> now and it's like yeah and they're like oh brady's got to watch out and it's like right but also tom brady didn't have the best tight end in the nfl when he walked into the league he didn't have the most dynamic wide receiver in the nfl ever like he made do with what he had it'd be like if Derek carr was doing the same shit with hunter renfro and zay Jones. Yeah. And you'd be no, like oh okay that's... yeah no that's impressive but He's not. It's very true. Yeah. So it, it's, it's different levels to it. Like, yeah, this is the level of success. And, and when you talk about the number of playoff, Tom Brady played three extra seasons worth of playoff games, he played 47 playoff games. That's three NFL seasons. Like <laughs> that's ridiculous. You, you know? <laughs> like he played three NFL seasons just in the playoffs. He went, he went 35 and 12 in those, you know, in those playoff games. Um, which in itself is dumb because that means he went to the playoffs, what, 19 times because he won seven Super Bowls and lost 12 times. Well, yeah, and lost 12. So he, he went to the playoffs 19 times. That's stupid. Um, he, he set so many fucking records in these Super Bowls. He has like more wins against NFC teams in the playoffs than almost any quarterback in the NFL. And he only played in the NFC for two seasons. Like, yeah that's ridiculous. Like he just kept yeah. against him in Super Bowls. Like he has more Super Bowls than any franchise in the NFL. And the Patriots only have the most Super Bowls as a franchise because of him. Like when you just talk about the, like it's levels to it. Mahomes has been to the AFC championship game four times. He's got one ring and he's only been to two Super Bowls. Like that's, that's the levels to it is Tom Brady went to the, went to the Super Bowl. 10 times and won seven of them. And Mahomes has been close and he's already won one and one in the Super Bowl and two and two in AFC championship games. And it's like, I don't like, like he's got a lot of work to do. And obviously he's got an earlier start than Brady. But I mean, when you talk about where Brady's at after his, his sustained greatness for how long he tore his ACL, like halfway through his career came back and yeah. still won Super Bowls. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous when you talk about Tom Brady and everything that he accomplished um, and the manner that he did it in. Uh, I, it was never showboaty. It was never, I'm better than you. Like 
with how he carried himself. It was always just, I'm going to keep working and keep getting better. And that's why he ended up where he is. It's kind of the same thing with LeBron, right? Like LeBron's in the same boat where it's like LeBron walked into the NBA and was the greatest player talent wise when he walked in probably. And he didn't let it go to his head and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm the best player. I don't need to do as much. He, he worked harder than everybody else too. And that's the thing with Tom Brady. Tom Brady didn't walk in the league as the most talented or the smartest or anything like that. He just walked in the league, kept getting better every season. And he became the best, and then he still kept getting better and better. And that's why he is who he is. So, I'm, I mean, it's, it's bittersweet to see him out of the league. Obviously, you love it if you don't root for him or root for his teams because he beats a lot of teams very often. Um, you know, any team, whatever team he's on is guaranteed to have a winning season. Um, yeah, if you I, – I forgot the – the stat, but he was like 70 or 75% against the spread as a starting quarterback, which I mean, so if you just bet Tom Brady as a starter against the spread for his entire career, you made more money than most professional gamblers because their goal is to go like 60%. <laughs> like that it, it's ridiculous. It, it's absolutely dumb how many things you can say about Tom Brady over the course of his career. Um it, it's amazing. I mean. It's going to suck not having him in the league anymore, but I think it is time for him to hang it up, um, I, which is crazy to say because he just led the NFL in touchdowns and receiving – or in passing. Yeah, yards. yeah. But, but he's got to hang it up at some point. I think this is almost equivalent to going out with a Super Bowl. Obviously not the same because it's not a ring, but he led the league in passing yards and touchdowns. So what else does he have? He, he got the record from Drew Brees and, you know, passed it, you know, comfortably. Yeah. He's got nothing left to prove. No, and so and that's completely agree. So two things I want to touch upon with what you said is he he might be the only quarterback because you're talking about Mahomes, right? And Mahomes is coming off like a fucking rocket, right? Coming in like a bat out of hell. And yeah, he's he's on track to shatter every single fucking football record that's uh, there's ever been. But I feel like Brady is the only athlete I've ever seen that like just never fell off. Like, like that's 22 years of pretty staying pretty damn consistent with his skill. And then the last two seasons were two of his better seasons that he's had yeah. in his career. So, I mean, that's like, like Peyton Manning. Yeah. He went out on a super bowl win, but he did nothing to help with get that win. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> so it's like Mahomes. Yeah, dude, he's on right. Yeah. He's on track, but is he going to hold up? Is he going to be as consistent as Brady was for his entire career? Is he going to not fall off? Like that's, that's projecting that he doesn't fall off and that he stays true and stays kicking ass every single time that he goes on the field. And plays so, 20 years. Exactly. You know, and that, and that's the thing, you know, that's, that isn't a thing. He played for 22 goddamn years. So you should fucking break a lot of records. Um, but yeah, man, he's just humble. He's a, he's the first one on the field and the last one off the field of practice. He has a a sense of perfectionism that is, I mean, I mean, it's it's, it's unbeatable, dude. You you can't find anybody else that has it other than the top athletes around the world, right? Like you said, like with LeBron, doesn't matter who he has on his team, he's going to be grinding out as hard as he can because he wants to win. He's a competitor. And that's where 
I'll, I'll finish it off with is I'm so curious to see what Tom Brady does. Cause I read articles right about him, like coaching and stuff. And I don't, I don't think he will even down the future. I don't think he will. Do I see him buying a part of a, a team or, you know, being like, a, like a, even like a general manager or something, maybe, because when you get somebody that competitive for 22 years and, and like 44 fucking years old, and it's still like, Oh yeah, I want to compete at the highest level possible. Then just going home and hanging out with your family. Like, don't get me wrong, dude. You love your family to death, but you're going to be missing something. And so I'm wondering if he's actually going to be able to be like, I am done, or if he's going to still have that, that uh, you know, that passion and that, that want to compete and whatever it is that he does. And maybe he'll go down to the senior home and fucking play shuffleboard or something every day and just dominate the championships of shuffleboard. But probably um, I obviously wish nothing but the best for him and uh, very interested to see what he does do in the future. But as of right now, love the guy and respect what he's done. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right. And then I'll let you kind of take this one off. Now we're going to get into the topic of Brian Flores. Um, I got a couple of notes, but if I'll let you just kind of kick everything off if you want. Yeah. Okay. So uh, for those who don't know, you're living under a rock because uh, it's the number one story on every, you know, sports board yeah. or, or on, on Twitter or wherever you go to get your sports news. It's, it's the leading story. Uh, so Brian Flores um, just, you know, was recently fired by the Miami Dolphins in a weird <clears throat> move, right? Because he had to just come off a winning season where he improved the team first team to start out like one and seven and finish with eight, you know, wins and, you know, got the team into a much better spot than where they were, uh, last season despite a kind of weird quarterback situation and lots of questions uh, and then it comes out that is more off the off the field issues with him and the gm and him in uh the quarterback in tua right there's more relationships yeah. that's what led to the firing not really his performance as a coach which in itself is pretty stupid um and then just this past week brian flores sues uh, files a class action lawsuit against the uh, Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, as well as the Denver Broncos um, for uh, uh, allegations of racism in the hiring process, uh, as well as probably with just his employment process with the Miami Dolphins. Um, a, 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 some of the allegations are uh, that uh, when he uh, – Let's see when he, when he interviewed for the Broncos head coaching job first, I'll go in timeline order here. Um, When he interviewed for the Broncos head coaching job that John Elway and uh, the other members that showed up for the interview were an hour late and hung over. And, you know, like they weren't there to take the interview seriously at all. Uh, He said he was on time. They all showed up late, obviously hung over, didn't really care. um, Didn't take it serious. So that if, I mean, I don't know (laughs) why he would, uh, like make that kind of an allegation if that, if there was like really no truth to it, um, maybe not to that extent, maybe it was a little bit more um, in his head. Like they weren't necessarily drunk, but I imagine they probably did show up an hour late and they probably did show up not caring whether they were drunk or hung over or not. That's not the point, but yeah, it's how they treated the process. Um, and then when he's with the dolphins alleging that, they offered to pay him a hundred thousand dollar bonus per loss. 
in itself uh, for a league. This is that that leads into more questions beyond just front office situations with why oh, yeah. the NFL draft process is the way it is, and you know why it just is a tankathon because it's the whichever team has the worst record gets the number one pick. So why wouldn't you just lose games on purpose? Um, and obviously he's, he's a man of, uh, of pride and honor. And so he wasn't going to just lose games on purpose because th- he would probably still have gotten fired if he did that. And they would have said, well, we compensated you for losing anyway. So you're welcome on his way out. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's a situation around and still gets fired, which is very upsetting. Uh, and then the big one is with the uh, New York Giants. Uh, text, he released text messages between him and Bill Belichick, um, where Bill Belichick essentially congratulated him on, you know, getting the Giants job. Um, and Brian Flores was like, whoa, that's news to me. I'm really hoping that I get it. That'd be great. Um, but Bill Belichick, if I'm Brian Flores, I'm sitting there going, Bill Belichick, probably very much more connected in the league than I am. <laughs> um, so he would probably hear about this first before me. Um, and then when Bill Belichick texted him and said, what I'm hearing from Buffalo and New York is that you're their guy. And that's what made Brian Flores click and go, hmm, probably not talking to the right guy here. Um, and asking straight up, are you talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dable? And Bill Belichick saying, I fucked up. That's my bad. Uh, I'm, I meant to text Brian Dable. I should not have texted you. Um, like that's on me. Um, and you know, Brian Forrest is like, thanks anyways. <laughs> um, but the, the reality behind that is not that, um, Brian Forrest thought he got a job and in reality it went to a white guy. The reality is that the giants already knew they were hiring Brian Dable and they still went ahead and interviewed Brian Flores. And it made it feel like you weren't interviewing him because you genuinely thought he was going to be a guy you would want for your job. If you already decided who you wanted for the job and they ended up hiring Brian Dable anyways, if you already knew who you were going to hire, why are you still interviewing other candidates? Unless it's just to comply with the Rooney rule so that you don't get fined. Exactly. That's that's where the issue comes. In. Uh, obviously, obviously, fucked up situation all around. Of course, all three teams came out, denied all the allegations. Um, Broncos said that they had a timeline of events that went against what Brian Flores said. I don't know how you just have a timeline of events um, unless they're going to like release like footage of everyone showing up to the meeting on time. Um, because I, I think Brian, Brian Flores has literally said what time the meeting was and what time he walked in. Um, so then Broncos would have to like say like, oh, we have security camera footage of yeah. and here's <laughs> of John Elway showing up on time. Um, that would probably do it for them. But I don't know. They're just denying it and have their own timeline of events. So whatever that is. Um, the Dolphins, I mean, Hugh Jackson came out and said the Browns offered him money to lose games on purpose. Um, which I don't doubt because Hugh Jackson was like the first coach to go 0 and 17 or 0 and 16 two years in a row. So um wouldn't surprise me at all um, about that one. But the more you dig into it, uh, I mean, this was just a timeline of events and everything that Brian Forrest has alleged. And the thing that made me the most upset with this, because I mean, hearing all of it, I'm like, yeah, all this makes kind of a lot of sense. 
the most the, I got upset because the NFL came out within two hours of him saying all of this and said that all of his claims were without merit. And I don't understand how the entire league can take that stance and firmly stand with all these teams and against, you know, a, a, a head coach on every single allegation before there's been any kind of investigation. Yeah. Like that's, that's the part that killed me is, is they investigated claims of deflated footballs for months and months on end before they said anything. But then a, a head coach of yours comes out and makes serious accusations of racism and, you know, n- neglect as a coach. And you're just so quick to say, nah, he's lying. There's, there's no, there's no merit to this. There's, he's just lying. It's like, why, what would he have to gain? He's literally in the process of being finalists, a, a finalist for two head coaching positions. What would he gain from coming out right now and filing a lawsuit? There's, there's no point in it if he had no, no evidence to support his claims or if he was just making all of this up. Like you can't, you can't convince me of that. That it just makes no sense for the timing of it. If it was like he just got fired and no team wanted anything to do with him, I would be like, okay, maybe I could see them saying that. But him being exactly. a finalist for the Houston Texans job, him being in the running for the <clears throat> New Orleans Saints job, and you're going to tell me that he's just coming up with this bullshit for no reason? No, he was about. He's literally about to be a head coach again, probably in a a better situation than than the Miami Dolphins. Like, it, it's just a lot of. Uh, a lot of anger that I felt from how quick the NFL was to make that jump. And and I I have some stats on it with um, the fact that right now, Mike Tomlin is the only black head coach. Yep. Um, I think this season there were three and two of them got fired for no reason. I would say Uh, Brian Flores obviously got fired from the dolphins after turning the team around and David Cauley got fired (laughs) as the Houston Texans head coach. And I would argue that David Cauley turned the Texans around after where they started and no Deshaun Watson and all of the off the field drama and where everyone thought they were going to be. And obviously they finished still with a very, very high draft pick, but they found a quarterback that won them games in their third round draft pick. And he got that team to feel like it was starting to play a lot better than where they were at the start of the year. So for them to within one season of him being the head coach firing him, that makes no sense to me. So, so there's one black head coach left, two of them got fired and I can't find reasons as to why they got fired. Um, There's only three black GMs in the entire NFL. There's 32 teams out of the last, uh, I think it was 129 the last 129 head coaching vacancies, 15 have been filled by African-American head coaches, which is 11%. That doesn't make any sense why there's only 11% of head coaches at the last 129 that have been black. When, when you know this, this, the Rooney rule has been in effect for 19 years. If you're actively interviewing people as the best candidates, it, that number would be higher because it's, it's not like 11% of the guys that were interviewing were black. I would, I would yeah. venture, I guess that is high. It's a lot more. Um, 
I don't know. I, I just think the numbers don't really back up the NFL in, in making these claims. Um, and, and I think that Brian Flores is going to be a long, a long drawn out situation. Um, I'm hoping that he gets um, a head coaching position. I would hope it's with either the Texans or the saints. Um, the Texans would be um, probably very smart to hire him, but their organization, their owner, a lot of it comes, a lot of this stuff comes down to ownership. I think that's the real issue. Um, it's not with the NFL. I think people, if, if people think this is the NFL's fault and an issue with the NFL, that's where they're wrong. Because at the end of the day, the NFL can make you interview minority candidates, which is already fucked to begin with, that they have to implement a rule that says you can't just interview white people. You guys have to have to do more than that. Um, and, but sorry, what I was saying is at the end of the day, just because they're interviewing people of color or minorities doesn't mean they're going to hire them. They're just doing it so they don't get fined. Um, so interesting to see where it goes out. But Kyle, what are your thoughts? No, dude. So I, I completely agree with you. I didn't have pen and paper. So I was trying to mentally keep track of all my fucking notes. So um, yeah. And that was another thing too, is about the amount, right? So Mike Tomlin being the only one. And like you were saying, the other two got fired and we all said the Texans were going to be the worst team this season, right? Or at least we said it was at least be one of the bottom feeders and they were actually able to kind of surprise us in a way on the guy's first year, you guys literally had no future. And so it was like, wow, really one year and that was it. And then the same thing with Brian Flores, he's been there for three seasons, two of them were winning seasons. And, but again, the conflicts outside of it, but, so at least Mike Tomlin, um, uh, Washington's head coach, um, Ron cancer, fucking Ron Rivera. He's the only Hispanic coach. And then Robert Sully, he's the only Muslim American head coach. Um, so the other 29 teams are all white head coaches. And that's another thing is that there's a lot of mixed race with, you know, um, coordinators and stuff. But the step that I saw on it is, a lot of coordinators and head coaches are previous players, right? And it's sitting that, you know, uh, the stat that I read was that 70% of the players in the NFL are African-American, you know? So it's like, there's, it's not like you, it's like you were saying, it's not like there's only 11% that are going out for, um, and, you know, in interviewing, you know, there has to be a ton that are doing it. So that, I mean, it definitely is an issue. And then, um, Bilicek, man, did he fuck up? Yeah, uh, big fuck up on his end. And I didn't like that he signed it off with BB. <laughs> um, that 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 to me, I did not like it. I was like, reminds me that, of that was yeah. AB releasing his text with Bruce Arians, and Bruce Arians really like ending his text with "This is BA, give me a call." And it's like you guys had each other's phone number for like two <laughs> years. Why are you telling him who you are? Yeah, yeah, no, it's just it was hella weird seeing like the BB. Um, but yeah, no, man. And like, it's, so it's, it's pretty crazy to me. And, and it was like you said, he didn't really have anything. I mean, he had everything to lose. I'll put it that way. Um, Flores did by, by coming out with this, you know, he even said, he goes, I understand this might jeopardize me ever coaching the NFL again. He goes, but it's a real issue. And yeah, if he went on 16 and it was like, yeah, I'm not going to get a job anywhere. Well, Hey, you guys are all racist. That's why I got fired then it'd be like, okay, you know, still have to look into it more than what the NFL even did with these kinds of accusations. 
but let alone he's actually I think a good coach that can do a lot for a team and I'm not the only one that thinks that there's tons of teams that think that and I saw something saying um, that Flores oh you know still in the running or still like a still a possible finalist for the Texans even amid the allegations and I'm like well Fuck, the Texans are not just going to drop him because of that because then they'd be under fire too. So, um, I mean, it, I don't know who he's going to go. Oh, my God, I was like burped, almost threw up. I don't know who he's going to be going with, you know, like who is going to get the offer um, with either the um, the Texans or the Saints. But it's, it's looking like Texans, right? Yeah, I mean, he was the finalist or one of the finalists for the Texans job, and, and I haven't heard anything – sense about any other like i haven't really heard any other finalists for that job but yeah that was what i kept seeing too was that he was one of the finalists and i didn't even really see any other names with it so um i mean in my opinion that's kind of where i think he's going to end up going is to the texans but this is a big issue man and we go back into like the whole draft lottery you know because teams can do that they can just tank and how despicable dude of like a gm or an owner to be like hey give you a bonus if you just keep on tanking. It's like, where, where's your pride, man? Like, that's, that's crazy to me. I wouldn't, like, you know, the Lions, I mean, depending on the draft class, I think they should have tanked that game against us. Because yeah. then they could have gotten one pick. You know, that would be a little bit different. But, you know, to say, hey, I'll give you $100,000 for every single game that you lose, it's like, wait, whoa, what? That's not why I'm here, dude. I'm, I wanna, I'm a coach because I want to – I want to fucking win. I want to try and turn a team around. Not because I want to lose just for the money. Like it's absolutely nuts to me. So I think what Brian Flores is doing is amazing because it's obviously an issue. It has been an issue for a long time. Like you were saying with the Rooney rule, 19 years, this obviously became a thing because it was so bad. So they're like, okay, cool. We'll do this. And then the Belichick thing, Hey, I, w- I hadn't even interviewed yet, so I didn't know I was going to get it. Well, yeah, that's what I've been hearing. He's like, well, are you thinking about the other guy? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, I kind of didn't know really what else to add to that, so I kind of repeated a lot of what you said. But, I mean, it's just crazy how bad it is and how bad it still is over all this time. And I think with this going on, I mean, it should theoretically really change some stuff and – make them do a deep dive into the league and see what the bigger issue is and see kind of what else they can do. Cause for me, it's a hard one to kind of fix though too, because you have the Rooney rule, which in theory would be the one to fix this. But I mean, I don't know what else can you do, you know, say, Hey, you have to hire a black head coach. Like, you know, so I don't really know what the solution is here other than just people not being racist. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of the only solution. Yeah, that's 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 the thing. I think the change that needs to happen is one. Uh, I was thinking about it, and it's it's a change that can't happen for decades because it has to be with ownership. There has to be more diversity in ownership. It's all a bunch of old white men. Like mm-hmm. I think I think the, the Texans owner was literally like quoted as as saying he runs the team like a plantation. Like that's uh that's 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 not okay for, for a guy to say, um, but he probably didn't even see the issue with saying it like that. Um, yeah. And that's the problem is it's run by a bunch of old white men 
And if they're racist, they're going to be racist. You making them interview a couple minority coaches doesn't make them all of a sudden not racist. They're still not going to hire those guys. I take issue with the fact that if I had to pick the hottest coordinator right now in the NFL that should be up for head coaching positions, it's Eric Bieniemy. and it's the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator. I don't think anyone in the NFL would argue or anyone that, that watches NFL football would argue that the Chiefs offensive coordinator should be up for way more head coaching positions. And I understand that the Chiefs go deeper into the playoffs than most teams. And so a lot of these teams that are looking to hire new head coaches are going to sit there and say we have to wait longer to, to even interview this guy and if we don't if we miss out on him we might miss out on our second and third and fourth guys as well because they all got hired because we waited so long so they a few of those teams jumping a little early and saying yeah we took the second best guy because we didn't want to miss out on the best guy and have to take the fourth or fifth best coach available so yeah. i understand that but the number of teams i don't i haven't even heard of him interviewing for any head coaching positions this season Last season, no. he interviewed for like two and didn't get them. Um, I don't know if he turned them down or what it was, uh, but I haven't even heard of him interviewing with any teams. And there's still multiple teams that need head coaches, right? If you're if you're the Chicago Bears, you're hiring. They they hired what they hired the the Colts defensive coordinator, or right? I think. Yeah, you hired the Colts defensive coordinator. That was your like number two guy over waiting to interview with Eric Bieniemy and get a offensive guru in with Justin Fields. Like that doesn't really make much sense. Right. Like Vic Fangio got hired over uh, Brian Flores with the Broncos situation. Right. To go back to that, they hired Vic Fangio. How'd that work out? Joe judge. (laughs) Joe judge was going to be committed to for another season until he ran a quarterback sneak on third and nine from his own five yard line. That's what made them go. Oh, I don't think this guy wants to be our coach. So I guess we'll fire him, but they were going to give him another shot. Brian Flores was just the most honest and he he was the smartest person, smartest football wise in that entire Miami Dolphins building. I'll guarantee you that you want to know why? Because he told Tua he sucked and because Tua sucks (laughs) and and the team took offense to it. And it's like, I'm sorry. He told your quarterback, Hey, you need to be better because he needs to be better. I think I think Brian Flores literally told Tua that he wished they had drafted Mac Jones. Um, so that that's great. <laughs> um, oh like, yeah! Like, <laughs> like, oh my god! Like that's the thing is, is Brian Flores is just brutally honest with guys, and he understands. Hey, I was able to do what I what we did as a team and turn this team around with Tua as our quarterback. Imagine if you guys got me a good quarterback, and they were like. But Tua's our guy, so you're out. And it's like, that's a dumb decision to make because Tua's a young yeah. quarterback and you're going to commit to him over the head coach that, despite Tua's objectively bad play, was able to turn the team around. That doesn't make much sense to me. I think it's just because the, the GM wants to have Tua as the quarterback and he's looking for any excuse to say, okay, let's get Brian Flores out of here. And, and it goes really deep. And I am very interested in seeing what comes as as a result of this i just i think there needs to be more diversity in front offices it's not going to be in ownerships and ownership groups right now because that's too far down the line teams don't change hands often at all because it costs billions of dollars right that's that's the yeah right the, i mean the broncos are selling for four billion dollars and they suck so the fact that they're selling for four billion is ridiculous but that, that so if that's not going to change then get more 
of these former players in the front office making these moves, get more black presidents, get more black GMs, right? That's, that's what needs to happen. And then you'll start seeing more, more of these black head coaches that are getting more opportunities, right? Yeah. It's going to be a long process. I am very, very grateful that Brian Flores came out and said what he did and put his coaching career in jeopardy. Um, But I think it's, he brought up issues they needed to be brought up. Um, and I'm really glad that he did. Yeah, no, it, it was courageous, dude, because there was a lot to lose from this. Um, and I just looked up uh, Eric Bieniemy. Um, so yesterday he got mentioned prominently in the Flores lawsuit because he interviewed with the Denver Broncos um, like a week ago, and they went with uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, there we go. Nathaniel from the Green Bay. Hired a worse so, white offensive coordinator. <laughs> so they went with him. And then um, I guess as of an hour ago, two hours ago, um, the Saints said that they want to meet with him. Sure. But so, that's, it. that's it. But yeah, two? exactly. It's ridiculous. But I've also but I've also heard that he's said no. Like I've heard that yeah, he's been he denying probably, it for like the past couple of years. Yeah. But but it should we should still be saying, you know, seeing, oh, Jags asked, Texans asked, Saints asked, Giants asked. Nobody's asking, you know, except yeah. and, the Broncos and the Saints. Yeah, and, and Byron Leftwich, um, you know, who was the um, offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think he was in the finalists for the Jags head coach, and he pulled himself out because that organization is just in shambles. And that's the thing is it's yeah. like if, if, if more black head coaches are getting positions, great, but if they're also getting put in positions where they're set up to fail, that's not helping the situation, right? Yeah, and that, that is a rough part, dude, is that that happens, and then it's like, huh, well, we thought we'd try something new, and that didn't work. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, your fucking team's dog shit. Yeah. So we'll have to see what all comes from this, um, but I'm glad it's starting conversations. So. Yeah, I agree. Is there any more for Kyle Sports News, or is that wrapping it up? No, that wraps it up, dude. Let's jump into those fucking killer games last weekend. Absolutely. Two phenomenal, phenomenal championship games. Uh, so I watched um, AFC Championship game with Brittany, and she didn't really care. She wasn't, like, too into it for, like, the first two and a half, three quarters, I would say. And then the game got uh, towards the end, <laughs> and – the, the Bengals started making their comeback and she was sitting up edge of her seat watching the game um, because it, it, that's, that's the kind of game it was. Um, but yeah, let's kick it off with the AFC championship game. Chiefs come out absolutely on fire, just dominating the Bengals from the opening kickoff, march down the field, opening drive, get a touchdown. They had the ball four times in the first half. They scored three touchdowns and finished their last drive at the one yard line on a poor decision, but Dude, that, that changes the whole game in my opinion. But I agree. Keep going. No, no, I agree a hundred percent with you. No, let's go right there because okay. for, for or whatever end goal it was third and goal, second and goal, whatever. And Mahomes makes a bad decision. They just, there's no arguing. It's a bad decision to throw yep. the ball behind the line of scrimmage to Tyree kill in the open field with no timeouts gets tackled in bounds clock runs out can't kick a field goal, can't get any points. I think – And, like, it, to to pick someone to give the ball to, though, in that exact situation, even though it was dumb, it's Tyreek Hill, right? Like that's who you want because yeah. that's the guy that we've talked about 
numerous times that will run back five yards to gain one yard. And so it's like he can do anything with it, but for the Bengals to make the stop and to not let them score and make it 28 to 10 going into half, I think that lit a little fire under the Bengals' ass, dude, going into that fucking locker room at halftime. And they had to have been like, guys, well, that was close. (laughs) But we did it. And it had to have fired them up so, so fucking much because, I mean, I'll let you take it over, but just look at how they came out of that half. Yeah, so come out in the second half, Chiefs get stopped. Because that was the other thing, is Chiefs got the ball, right? Pretty sure Chiefs got the ball to start. They got the ball first, I'm pretty sure. So it would have been 28-10 to with them getting the ball. Yeah, exactly. So it would have been 28-10 with ball first. Instead, they have to punt um, because they came out flat. And I think that's the thing, is – they came out flat and they never picked back up. Right. They, so like, like I said, they had the ball four times in the first half, three touchdowns, one that should have at least resulted in a field goal realistically should have resulted in a touchdown. Um, and then in the second half, they had the ball one, two, three, four, five, six times, six times in the second half, three points. That's, that's the difference. And I, and as much, as you give credit to the Cincinnati Bengals for their defense stepping up. I think that play that play right before halftime got to Patrick Mahomes way more than it should have. And he started questioning everything because every throw in the second half was just off, just missed, or it was, you know, taking just too long to get the ball out of his hand and he gets sacked way, way more. And, I mean, obviously, both quarterbacks were making ridiculous plays, avoiding sacks and making throws. Yeah. But the just the decisions that you saw Patrick Mahomes make towards the end of the game, when they had to settle for that field goal, they could have got a touchdown on that last drive, and they had to settle for a field goal because Patrick Mahomes took a 30-yard sack. Like, yeah. and he fumbled on it. Like, yeah. what are you, like literally, I think Jim Nance even said he was like, Last thing you can have here is he's like, you know, as long as you don't fumble the ball, you know, he's like, don't take a sack and fumble it. And then he takes a sack and fumbles it on the next play. And you're like, what? Like, just throw the ball away. What are you doing? Like, live to fight another play. But you taking a yeah. sack and fumbling, and now you have to kick this long, longer field goal. Obviously, Bucker still makes it, but you put your team in a worse position because you just kept trying to make things happen when nothing was there. Doesn't make any sense. And, and I think a lot of it is just, just falls on Patrick. All of it falls on Patrick Mahomes. If I have to be brutally honest. Yeah. So what was that, that game? I think two years ago with the, the bills and Josh Allen, where it was like to get into the play, I think it was against the Colts maybe, but it was the same thing where like they were going back and forth and then he ran back and got sacked for like minus 20 and took him out of field goal range. And so they weren't able to kick the field goal anymore. And then it was like this major thing. That's what it kind of looked like to me. That was Josh Allen's first year in the NFL. And we do the the Chiefs came in in the first half and did exactly what we project them to do. I said Chiefs will win by 10. And they went into the first half 21 to 10. And then for them to only score three points on six possessions after having the absolute dynamite first half that you just had, where you guys manhandled them in every single way. And the only thing that didn't go your way was getting stopped at the one-yard line. And then to come out and you couldn't produce. Like Mahomes just seemed 
like the pressure got to him, I guess, but like he's been in tense situations before, but it's starting to show. Cause you mentioned earlier when we we're talking about Tom Brady, right? He's two and two in the AFC championship game. I can't say shit about championship games, but you have to be able to produce in that, in that top, in the, on the, the high pressure situation. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what happened was, Hey, we're, we're supposed to beat the shit out of these Bengals. And then it was like, oh, okay, cool. They stopped us. All right. 21 to 10. Fuck. I fucked up. You know, I should have just, you know, I should have played it safe. I should have done something. I should have threw it away. So we could get the field goal. Yada, 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 whatever went through his head. But then it came out and then the Bengals scored. And then it was like, okay, okay, okay. I'm going, why are they catching up? Like we're supposed to be beating the shit out of them. And then they, you know, kick a field goal, whatever, because they went for two. Right. I think yeah. they went for two. And it was like, oh, my God, fuck, dude. And then I think the pressure just kept getting to Mahomes. Um, but, man, how how fucking happy um, I was just to see the Bengals, dude. And McPherson, let's fucking give a shout-out to that little fucking stud who is or has already broken all the, the fucking records for, uh, like, a rookie in the postseason. Yep. I think because like, he scored more points. He's, he's like, four, he's like 14 of 14 on field goals. Yeah. And I think they said that he passed up like Larry Fitzgerald for um, like most points in postseason or something like that by a rookie or like whatever it was. I don't remember the exact stat, but yeah. he broke some fucking record and he's just a kicker, but he's 14 for 14 with no mixed extra points. Right. Or is it nine and nine for five and five touchdowns or something like that? Yeah, he's like, he's like, like 14 14 to 14 on field goals. And then he also has extra points. He hasn't missed a single kick. And then the kid is so young and he's so goddamn confident. The commentators yeah. mentioned it. They're like, you know, last game he said, well, I guess we're going to the AFC championship. And they came on the field and kicked the game-winning field goal. So I wonder what he said this time, <laughs> you know, because yeah, he came yeah. out and fucking just came in clutch again. And that's that's something that is such a difference maker that I'm seeing and why I genuinely think Joe Burrow is going to be one of the next greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game as well is how absolutely calm he is. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like they're down by 11 at halftime and he comes out and he looks like they're tied. Like he is so cool, calm and collected and he's hitting all of his young wide receivers. And then you got this young field goal kicker. That's probably going to be with them forever. This team, like we said, see, so it's actually kind of funny because we've been saying this team is going to be so deadly. This team is going to be so deadly. And here they are at the fucking Super Bowl on his rookie year. Um, So I was very, very happy to see the Bengals' success. Um, And it's just cool to see a a team that you just – you can't hate them. You you can't hate them. You got to love Joe Burrow. You got to love Jamar Chase. You got to love even their fucking kickers. Yeah. So very cool to see the Bengals win that game. Yeah, absolutely. So, and the thing is, I talked a lot about the Chiefs and I didn't really talk about the Bengals that much. And I think it's because, yeah, Joe Burrow had a a good game and the offense played pretty good, right? Pretty, like, consistently decent. Well, I mean, they obviously play a lot better in the second half, only put up 10 10 points in the first half. But when you look at the actual drives and Joe Burrow's numbers, like Joe Burrow went 23 of 38, respectable, 250, yeah. Two touchdowns, a pick. That's good numbers, right? Like, nothing ridiculous. Patrick Mahomes threw for 
25 more yards, three more completions on one more attempt. So he had better completion percentage. He had more passing yards. He had more passing touchdowns. Like Joe Burrow didn't outplay Patrick Mahomes. I feel like Patrick Mahomes just dropped off so bad and made so many more mistakes in the second half because Mahomes in the first half exceeded what Joe Burrow did in the entire game, essentially. Yeah. And the thing is how you respond in certain situations. And that's what got to me. So in the second half, when, when Patrick Mahomes threw his first interception, unfortunate, right. It it was on a screen pass and it just gets picked off and it's an unfortunate place to throw a pick and you go, all right, that's a little rough. And um, so the chiefs only had to go 27 yards and they did. Um, They got their touchdown and makes the game a lot more interesting. And then Joe Burrow threw a pick to dry on, you know, the Bengals next drive. He threw a pick on the first play on a comeback yeah. route. I think to Jamar chase and the Jerry Sneed jumped the route and picked it off and you go, all right, what are they going to do? And the chiefs go three and out losing four yards. And it's like, that's, that's the issue. It's not that the defense wasn't there. It's not that the rest of the chiefs weren't there making plays. It falls on the quarterback. When you just look at the drives and the length of these drives, right? First half chiefs go 84 yards, 75 yards, 72 yards, 80 yards. And then the second half, 16 yards, 17, seven, negative two, negative four. And then they get a 49 yard drive to kick a field goal at the end to tie it and send it to overtime. And then they go three and out in overtime when they get the ball first. And as much as you want to talk about Mahomes throwing a pick late, it was a glorified punt. That that pick didn't make a difference to me. If they would have punted the ball, the Bengals would have marched down the field and kicked a field goal. It wouldn't have made a fucking difference. That second pick isn't what lost in the game. What lost in the game is the fact that they didn't do shit other than one drive the entire second half. Yep. And it's not like Joe Burrow had an amazing half because he threw one touchdown. And the Chiefs still made the Bengals settle for two field goals in the second half. It's on to the Chiefs' offense. It's completely yep. the Chiefs' offense. Um, and, and Mahomes has to eat that. And I don't know if off-the-field distractions really played that much into it. Um, I, I just think he has to be mentally more tough. If you're going to be one of the greats in this league, like he's, fo- he's, he's getting paid half a billion dollars. He's the highest-paid <laughs> player in the history of the NFL. If you're going to get paid like that and you're supposed to be the next guy for the face of the league, you have to be more mentally tough in these situations because Tom Brady would never respond like this. Peyton Manning would never respond like this. Joe Burrow, who's in him, in him, well, he's played three less seasons than Patrick Mahomes, showed so much more calm under pressure, so yeah. much more calm. And Joe Burrow only started a year and a half in college in a new system. And, and was benched for the first three years of his career. Like it, you can't like, like Patrick <laughs> Mahomes, yeah, Patrick Mahomes just has to be more mentally sound. Even in the, in the chargers Raiders game, last game of the season, Justin Herbert showed so much more resolve at the end of that oh. after playing not well at all for the first three and a half quarters. And then he leads two drives when he needs two most. Yep. So Mahomes, you got to be more mentally tough. It's on you. It's on you. And he's the face of this team. He's the face of the future of the NFL. He has to understand it's on him, completely on him. Um, but still, an electric ending to the game. I could not – I mean, I didn't really care who won. I wanted to see a great game. 
I think the Bengals going to the Super Bowl is the best outcome we could have asked for, though. Yes, easily. Yeah. I mean, the Bengals, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, the defense just is, like, gritty as fuck. Um, they're, they just have a bunch of young, confident guys that you want to root for. Um, and they're going to be great for a long time. I really think they will. So, great game all around. <clears throat> Electric finish. Great comeback from the Bengals. Um, I don't have any more comments to you. No, no, great game, and let's talk about the next big one that our buddy wasn't here to watch it with, but we know he was watching it. Oh, absolutely, he was. Um, so Rams-Niners was um, – it, it was just more boring, I felt like. <laughs> just It just kind of felt like not a lot was happening in the game. Uh, so, I mean, obviously the Niners get up uh, 10-7 going into the half um, – and it was, you know, not an amazing uh, – uh, like, the first half was, was all right. It wasn't anything crazy. I mean, you watch – you go 10-7, um, you know, it was a, it was a nice um, uh, touchdown to Cooper Cup, right? It was a great pass to Cooper Cup. That's great. It was an answer to an amazing uh, pass to Jimmy, to Jimmy G – or, sorry, not to Jimmy G uh, – from Jimmy G to George Kittle. Uh, it was a great play by George Kittle, uh, yeah. obviously. I think George Kittle does things like that. Um, but that was it. Like, there wasn't a lot of highlights. I felt like it was just a lot. I mean, you know, the Rams missed a field goal. Um, Debo had um, – oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm too far into this. Uh, the first touchdown was the one uh, to – God, it was a long-ass drive. Still to Cooper Cup. Um, and then the the Niners answered with the Debo Samuel touchdown. That was yeah. the, that was the first touchdown. I, I got too far ahead of myself, and it was it was electric, and it was almost like what you saw, and you should and you said to yourself, "Man, if the Niners just keep giving the ball to him, it's probably going to be a long night for the Rams." Yeah. Um, and then the Rams miss a field goal, um, you know, to tie things up. Uh, before the end of well, it's take wide, right? Yeah, to take the lead, and then you know Niners get their field goal, um, and cool, great end of the first half. Uh, Niners get their field goal to go up by uh, three going into the half. Good for them. Come out and they get that first touchdown to George Kittle, and now you're looking at a 17-7 ball game, and you're starting to sweat for the Rams. Um, but just the resolve, just the resolve from Matthew Stafford and uh, from uh, an OBJ played great and they get Cooper cup again on another nice touchdown pass um, to make it a one score game and bring it back from 17, seven to 17, 14. Um, and the defense just steps up just great. I think that's, that's the thing for me is, is how the defense stepped up. Uh, I mean, you give up 17 and you're looking, you know, not great down 17 to seven and then the defense just didn't fall for the rest of the game. And they just forced punts and turnovers, and they just looked great the rest of the game. Uh, obviously, um, I mean, Von Miller played great. Aaron Donald, of course, is going to be the guy that comes up at the end of that game. First so, things first, Dan oh, is uh, played with Matthew Stafford. Not what I needed there. Um, <laughs> but but I love that Aaron Donald was the one that that made that play on Jimmy G. And, and I couldn't picture a more fitting way for the Niners season to end and for this game to end than Jimmy G just trying to do too much and throwing a pick to seal the game. 
Yeah, dude, Jimmy is not the guy. Um, it's clear as day. We've known it. We've been talking about that forever. Um, yeah, dude, I mean, like, this was a very excitingly boring game um, is how I would kind of describe it, right? First quarter, I think they both had two possessions or maybe one had two, one only had one. I don't know, but it was just very long, dragged out for no scoring. And then second quarter, and it was, like, pretty much right at the end of the half, too, is when the Rams scored, then the Niners scored. And Mills field goal and field goal. So it was like, oh, okay, cool. Last like nine minutes of that quarter was pretty packed with action. And then come out in the third quarter and 17 10 at the end of it. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, the fucking Niners are going to win. And then, like you said, dude, defense stepped up. And I mean, I don't even think the Niners have an amazing offense. So it was more of what I was expecting was in the fourth quarter of them just kind of shutting them down. And I think that's when the offense was like, all right, guys, they keep getting us the fucking ball. We have to execute or else we're going to lose this fucking game. And then Cooper Cup, 11 catches for 142 yards and two touchdowns. Only two touchdowns for the Rams. But you mentioned OBJ. And, like, dude, OBJ was making key catches to get, like, extra first down. So, yeah, he didn't score one, but he was still making big plays. Nine catches for buck 13. What was scaring me was, dude, there was like so – I think there was four drop passes in the first half, one by Cup, one by OBJ, one by Van Jefferson, and one by maybe OBJ again, I think. So it was like Stafford, dude, he was on point and he was throwing these good throws. He had one that was a little bit behind OBJ, I'll say that. But his hands were still both on the ball. Like he yeah. could have caught it, and that would have been a first down that would have moved the chains and could – you know. It's always that game of what ifs, you know, what if they got that first down probably could have scored on it. So um, I think coming into the first half, it the Rams were playing a lot better than what it was. Like Stafford was playing good. There was just a few key drop passes. So um, overall, awesome to see the Rams. I was rooting for the Rams fucking very, very hard. Not just because I want the Niners to lose, but if I have a team where my buddy – is rooting for him. You know, if my friend, my, my buddy's team is in there, I'm going to be rooting for him. So, I mean, dude, just, you got Stafford going up against Burrow. Like that's, that's such a good fucking quarterback matchup. Cause there's just two people you, you just can't hate. You got one guy coming in off this season, cool as a cucumber rookie year. And he's just doing things that I'm not even going to say doing things that you wouldn't believe, but making a team, they're finding out how to win. And he's helping lead that. He's being a leader for the team. And then you, you got Stafford, who's been locked up in a hellhole forever. And his first season now, he's going to the Super Bowl, dude. You just – you got to love it. Yeah. Um, so, it, it's uh, Burrow's second year, but he missed most oh, of yeah, last yeah. year. Oh, so, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, but he missed most I of always, last year. I always forget that he even fucking he played. Fucking tore his ACL and MCL. And so, he – I mean – it's even probably more impressive that he missed most of his rookie year and was significantly injured and is in his second year came in and led a team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, because um, he played – do you remember how many games? I think it was like five games last season. Yeah, like five or six. Like, not okay. a lot. Um, but, yeah, to touch up on, on your, your drop passes too is when the Rams missed that field goal going into halftime, they should have been going up – they should have been going into halftime up 14-10 because – the one of the drops you were thinking of is the one to their like fifth wide receiver um, in the end zone. 
on the deep ball down the middle and it went right off his hands. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 It went right. Oh, Oh yeah. I forgot the guy's name, but me and my it's, dad, uh, it's like fucking... Ben Scourneck. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was something like that. And it was like, dude, it went right through your hands. And I was like, I told my dad, I was like, yeah, Stafford's not going to throw him to him one more time this entire game. He, oh, he just fucking lost his chance. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and, and that's, that's right. That's who it was. Yeah. And, and so they should have been going up or they should have been going into halftime. Like I said, up 14 to 10 instead of down 10 to seven because they miss a field goal. Um, and obviously the field goal wasn't even close. You got to be better than that, Matt Gay. But yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, that's something that if this game comes, if this Super Bowl comes down to field goal kicking, I think we all know who's going to win because you have a, a kicker on one team that has the most confidence probably of any player on the field, period. And then you have another <laughs> kicker who missed by about 20 feet to the right in the conference <laughs> championship game and came up short on a 48 yard field goal in the divisional round that would have probably iced the game. Like it, the Matt Gay is just showing tendencies of like missing kicks in big situations. Um, and I mean, yeah, he came through at the end for them and that's great, but he's got to be better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I am so happy seeing Matt Stafford get, get this light too. Um, I saw a tweet that said um, Matthew Stafford, you know, as a starting quarterback and Eminem performing at halftime is the closest the Lions will ever get. To. <laughs> yeah. um, I saw that one too. Kind of rubbing salt in the wounds there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, I, I'm very excited for this Super Bowl. Um, I just think it's going to be so much fun. I, I really, really hope that it is just like the AFC championship game. Um, I would even take a game that was just like, the NFC championship game where it feels a little boring, but it gets exciting. The end of this game was yeah. so, so much fun to watch. Just guitar dropping just a gimme in the middle of the field that would have sealed the game for the Niners. Dude, um, that was hit him right in the fucking chest. Yeah. And he just dropped With nobody him. touching him. Oh yeah, no, that yeah. Him dropping that ball. Um, obviously, Rams coming down and, and, and getting marching down the field after that and getting into field goal range and, and doing what they needed to. Um, and then just the defensive performance from the Rams at the end. Um, this, I think the Super Bowl has potential to go either way. The Super Bowl has potential to be amazing offensively. And, you know, either if, if Jalen Ramsey is following Jamar Chase all over the place, T. Higgins can go off, right? Because that's what happened in, in the championship game. The Chiefs – focus so much on locking up Jamar Chase and T Higgins lit them up the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jalen Ramsey shutting down Jamar Chase, probably T Higgins is going off. Who do the Bengals have that can cover Cooper cup and Robert Woods? You know, it has so much potential to, to be this offensive duel, but it also has the potential with how the Bengals play defense in the second half and how the Rams defense showed how good it can be. Um, I'm scared for Joe Burrow with Von Miller and Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald coming on that defensive line. The fact that they gave up nine sacks, you know, two weeks ago. I mean, obviously they played a lot better against the Chiefs, but there's a different. No, but he, even then, he was under pressure constantly. And if anything, I think he just got better at avoiding it. Yeah. Um, that was the number one thing I told my dad that's going to be the game changer for this game is the O-line is going to be shattered by the D-line. Like there's, there's nothing that they're going to be able to do. If they let nine sacks – to the Titans, 
who, yeah, sure. I mean, they got a decent D line. It's not great. They ain't got no goddamn Rams D line. Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you just named three absolute stars. And I just, I think that's what's going to be the difference between this, just like last season, where the Bucks D line yes. going up against the Chiefs with two of their O line being two back tackles being out, you know. So I think that's going to be a lot of the same thing is if the Bengals are going to win, they're going to have to be able to figure out how to escape the pressure and try and lock up cup. I mean, that, that's pretty much what they have to do offensively is deal with pressure defensively lock up cup, which even then they have a lot of weapons that can still get open. Um, it's just going to be the Rams have been pretty inconsistent this season. So are they going to show up with an offense that can do damage and a defense that locks down? Or is it going to be just one of those games like against the Cardinals that one time, you know, week five or whatever it was when they got absolutely blown out. Like they've just been so hit or miss this season. Um, so as of right now, I am 0-3 in the postseason picking against the Rams. So I'm going to keep that streak going on for Tim and I'm going to take the Bengals to win. Okay. I think the Rams are going to do it. But I've been picking the opposite team every week, and it's been doing justice for Tim. So that's what I'm doing. I'm taking Bengals to win the Super Bowl. Okay. I'm going to take the Rams. Um, I, I think that, like we brought up, it's going to – I'm hoping it's not going to be the sim, as similar to last year's Super Bowl because it was such a fucking boring Super Bowl to watch. Um, but I think the D-line will be the difference for the Rams. I know Joe Burrow is this calm guy and he's been on this stage before and he won a national championship and I don't think it'll phase him too much, but I do think it'll make life difficult for him regardless of if he's phased or not, it'll make life very difficult. And he probably won't have the time to wait for Jamar Chase to get open down the field and T Higgins to come open. Um, I don't think they'll get, I mean, let's talk about the run defense too, for the, for the Rams, they held the Niners to two and a half yards of carry. And this is the Niners team that, you know, led the league in rushing, I think like just dominant rushing offense. Um, so it's not like Joe Mixon's going to go off. I don't think, I think it's going to come down to the Rams defense. And I think that, that they will get the job done. So, um, but I'm excited either way should be an amazing Super Bowl. Um, I think everyone's just thrilled with the outcome of the championship games and what we ended up with, because it was feeling in the first half of both of these games like, okay, we're going to be getting a Chiefs Niners Super Bowl. Rematch. Yeah. So I'm glad yeah. we're good. All right. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, sorry. Yeah, I just, I think it's going to be, I think it definitely has potential to where it could be a blowout. Um, if the Bengals aren't able to do anything offensively, but I'm, I'm really hoping and I'm really thinking it's going to be a good game. Absolutely. Can't wait for it. Um, we got Pro Bowl this weekend, so no one cares about that. That skills competition that was today, um, no one cares about that. So and Justin Jefferson won the dodgeball game, cool uh, by catching one of the balls one-handedly. Wow! So that's cool. wow. Micah Parsons right? and Tyree wow. Kill in a foot race. Yeah, dude. Tyree Kill was not running full speed. I don't know if you saw him. Yeah. Not even close to running full speed. <laughs> he's more like he was, he was more like a bobcat. I think Tyree Kill was running half speed, and then pulled up halfway through he was running halfway half speed and he was still like neck and neck with everyone else i think he was like i'm not pulling a hammy here guys <laughs> like yeah. i know i'm faster than all of you i don't need to prove that um, 
yeah, but yeah, so that's cool. <laughs> Pro Bowl this weekend. That should be fun. I'm glad I get to see Justin Herbert in it. That's pretty cool. Um, but everyone's just looking forward to uh, next Sunday. So we can't wait for that. Uh, that wraps it up for NFL talk, though. Uh, we don't got topics, obviously. We covered those essentially in sports news. Um, so let's jump into segments. Uh, boom yeah. and bust. What do you got? I got two and two. I got two and two. Look at us. My fucking guy. Look at us. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Which, go one, first. which one? All right. My first one is just going to be Matthew Stafford. Um, the dude deserves it all. Um, he's been a great quarterback. We've said that for years. Um, we've always said he's not the issue in Detroit and Tanner. I know he was sad to kind of lose him because he knew Stafford wasn't the issue. Um, but man, just to see somebody with such greatness and then not even really be relevant after Calvin Johnson retired and he just had nobody to throw the ball to like ever. And then now his first season away goes onto the Rams. You know, we all talked about how, absolutely deadly this team could be and sure they were pretty inconsistent but guess what they're in the super bowl his first season with them and the rams proved that first round picks mean nothing if you get elite players so matthew stafford finally making it um first off getting a playoff win let alone three of them to now make it in the super bowl um just absolutely um, booming for him absolutely uh, i will be on a similar page and i will say sean McVay is my first boom um because of his coaching tree as well. Obviously, Sean McVay is one of the best young head coaches in the NFL. Um, him, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, all those guys coming from the same coaching tree. That's awesome in the first place. But Sean McVay, for last year, him to have um, Brandon Staley become the Chargers head coach um, and seems to be so like successful already and everyone on the team loves him. And then this year, um, both Raheem uh, Morris as well as I don't know the name of the offensive coordinator, um, but they're both finalists for like the Vikings head coaching job. So he even a year later, he's got both of his coordinators are finalists for another head coaching job after he lost his defensive coordinator. He just keeps finding the right guys and putting them in great situations at, on top of getting himself to his second Super Bowl as a head coach in what, four years? I mean, not four years as a head coach, but second Super Bowl in like three years. Um, yeah, with yeah, yeah. Then he got there with Jared Goff in the first place, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, Sean McVay, you're booming. <clears throat> yeah, no, dude, I love that one. Um, second boom is going to be NFL fans. Um, I feel like this was just such a great Super Bowl that nobody was upset with. I mean, obviously, other than like fucking Chiefs fans or Niners fans, but at the end of the day. You know, if, if one of your teams wasn't in the final four, I feel like this is the one you wanted. You didn't want the Niners and Chiefs rematch. You wanted to see the Bengals who haven't won a playoff game in 31 years. And then you wanted to see the Rams because of Matthew Stafford and coming out and doing their thing. And now you're having a Super Bowl with two teams that, I mean, I guess the Rams kind of favored, but no one saw the fucking Bengals making it to the Super Bowl this year. Um so, yeah, I mean, I think everyone's pretty much happy with it, and they're all just ready to have a good game, and I think it will be. So, NFL fans, we're all booming. Yeah. Uh, my second boom is Joe Burrow, uh, specifically for a quote after the game. Um, they asked him if the win over the Chiefs proved that they weren't underdogs anymore, um, which is so annoying to say in the first place because they're literally in the Super Bowl. Um 
like how they still have an underdog narrative. I'm so confused. Uh, but his response is what makes him my boom. Uh, his response was, uh, yeah, I think we beat the second best team in the AFC twice. Uh, I just love that he referred to the Chiefs as the second best team in the AFC, which is facts because literally they are the second best team in the AFC because they lost the yeah. championship. But just that's how you refer to them. And to, and to bring up, we beat them twice. So say we're not really underdogs. Uh, that's yeah. just such a fucking, <laughs> yeah. he's such a, he's just such a great fucking confident guy. I love the guy. Yeah. I love that one. All right. Kicking off my first bust. It's going to be the Detroit lions, man. No, oh, man. Um, they, yeah. They've just, they've never been able to find a consistent solution to all of the heartache that has been within their franchise. Um, I do think that they have a promising future coming up, but as it's played out previously, um, I mean, you had a quarterback that just wasn't able to succeed, never won a playoff game, and you lose him, and now he's in the Super Bowl his first year in a different team. Just really makes you guys look even worse. Um, so, again, I feel like there is some positives coming their way here in the next, I don't know, probably three, five years with a nice little rebuild. Because um, with Dan Campbell, like, we'll see what he can do with it. Um, and they just have to get time to be able to find an actual good quarterback and build their team but for right now you're busting yeah love that uh my first bust is hypocrisy in college basketball um this is a personal note for me as a duke fan um kyle i know you don't know about the situation because you weren't really watching college basketball when this happened um but grayson allen is a player that played for duke and he was very much hated because he was good and white and he went to Duke. And that's very much a combination for just hatred in college basketball. Um, and he had some issues. <laughs> he had some issues. He tripped a guy twice. And he got in a lot of trouble for it. Okay. And was literally crucified <clears throat> by just college basketball as a whole for doing so. Which, I hey, listen, I understand it's not okay for you to trip people. It was a bit much for, for how much he got shit on for it. Um, but I'd like to bring up that just this past week, uh, North Carolina had a player, uh, Armando Baycott, who is the best player on their team and a guy that people are saying should win ACC best player of the year, um, literally clotheslined a player on Louisville and then also two hand grabbed a player on Louisville by the knee when he was running up the court and also tripped him. Um, and both times Louisville players were called for fouls. Um, and no one's talking about the fact that this guy tripped someone on a basketball court. Um, this is bullshit. And it's <laughs> a lot of bullshit. I already hated Armando Baycott. I, so Duke, North Carolina play this Saturday. I won't be able to watch the game. I'm going to be at a play. I'm very uh, heartbroken. That play? Watch. Yeah, uh, it's uh, the, the waitress, I think is what it's called. <clears throat> I don't know. We got free tickets. So. Um, oh, I was like, thanks for the invite, dude. I don't know. Um, but uh, I really wish I could watch the game because uh, don't be surprised if a headline that you see on Saturday afternoon mm -hmm. is that Armando Baycott and Theo John just got into an all out brawl. Cause I think there's just, oh. there's going to be two, there's going to be two players that might just get into a whole ass fight on the court. Um, <clears throat> but I'm annoyed at the hypocrisy because fuck Armando Baycott and tripping someone and no one even brings it up. And the player on Louisville gets called for a foul. I'm so confused by how the fuck that even happened. I thought you were gonna say, and then don't be uh, don't be surprised if you see a headline of guy guy starts swinging on people in a play. 
That's what I thought you were going to say. All right, my second bust is going to be a Tennessee fisherman. A Tennessee man was backing up his truck and a like at a boat launch spot. Um, didn't le- realize that there was a major drop into the water. Ended up losing his boat, trailer, and truck all at once. Uh, big yikes. My heart goes out to you, um, but you are a, a fat bust. I mean, so I don't know if you're familiar with them and stuff like that, but like boat launches and stuff like that. It's usually pretty straight and like, you know, your back tires like go into the water because you're trying to fully put the boat in there. Yeah. So, I mean, the water level must have been pretty low because it does drop off at some point. It doesn't just keep going all the way into the bottom of the fucking ocean. So the fact that he didn't, you know, scope it out or anything. Uh, man, dude, it was like a it was like a Ford F-150 or something. It looked newer. He just sank everything. Yeah. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Big impression of been letting him back the truck up in the first place. Yeah, hell no. Yeah. All right. Uh, my second bust is WNBA um, for oh, yeah. uh, one reason in particular this time. I mean, they. I feel like they've been my, my bust multiple times, but uh, they're my bust this week because uh, they had recently announced that uh, Becky Hammond, who was an assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs, and who was in conversations about potentially becoming the first female coach in the NBA or head coach in the NBA, I should say, um, was named the head coach and general manager of the Las Vegas Aces. uh, And it was announced that her salary would be exceeding $1 million a year, which it's kind of sad, but that's what it was announced. Uh, The super max in the WNBA, so the highest paid players in the WNBA, is a quarter million dollars. Um, So the head coach slash GM is getting paid four times what the highest paid player in the entire league gets paid. Uh, If that doesn't tell you what's wrong with your league, I, I don't think you will ever figure it out. Because imagine if... Uh, so Tom Thibodeau is the G is like the president of basketball operations and head coach for the Knicks. Imagine if Tom Thibodeau was making $150 million a year as a head coach, he probably makes less than 10, which is understandable. That's a good amount for an NBA head coach. That's good. Uh, four times what the highest paid player in the league is making is stupid numbers. Uh, so yeah, WNBA, uh, you're you're my bust. Who, who's the highest paid player right now in the NBA? Uh, in the NBA, yeah. Uh, was probably Dame or Steph or probably Steph. Uh, do you know how much off the top of your head? If you had like guess? 40, 40, 40 something. a year. Yeah, forty something a year. So yeah, I'd be like, so it'd be closer so, to like hundred sixty. So yeah, so Curry's making one hundred sixty million dollars a year. Not even Curry, like Steve Kerr. Like Steve Kerr. No, no, that, no. no. Okay. Yeah, that, that's who I, that's who I say. Kerr. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Steph makes 45, oh 45 a year. So $180 million is what the coach would be making. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. So they, yeah, people go, oh, yeah, they don't pay the NBA player, the WNBA players enough. It's like, well, first off, you know, obviously they don't bring enough revenue. But second, they don't know how to manage their fucking money. Yeah, exactly. They don't know who they're supposed to be giving their money to. Yep. Holy shit. I did not know that. Well, yeah. Fat bust, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for boom and bust. Um, I will leave us off before we head out. A little bit of breaking news. Jacksonville Jaguars just hired Doug Peterson 
as their next head coach. I fucking knew it, dude. I, I had a feeling. Yeah, so the Jaguars are going to be bad for another five years minimum. Um, and when I say bad, I mean bottom of the league bad for another five years because they hired Doug Peterson because he's the answer. Um, he hasn't coached for like two years in the NFL. Well, why did he get a head coaching job? He hasn't even been an assistant coach. Where, where has Doug Peterson been doing for the last two years? Yeah, no, he got cut by the Eagles. Was it last season? No, I thought it was two years ago. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was last season. So maybe one or two years ago. Either yeah, because he – because it was a thing, right, where, like, Jalen Hurts was, like, doing good, and then he just pulled him. And it was, like, after that game, they're like, ah, yeah, all right. He's uh, he's gone. Oh, yeah, he it was last him. year because they hired Sirianni, and he's a retard. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, Doug Peterson hasn't even coached in the NFL in any capacity. He hasn't coached football in any capacity, I don't think, in a year. And the no. Jaguars were like, that's our guy. That's our guy. Not not a, our one of our former quarterbacks – that's been showing great promise as an offensive coordinator for the Bucks. Not anybody else. We're going to hire a guy who hasn't coached in a year. You love to see it. Loves. I heard that uh, the Jaguars owner was, uh, you know, sitting in on meetings for the interviews for the head coaching position, and he he straight up asked one of the candidates. I didn't say which one, but he asked one of the candidates, "Would you be willing to work with our GM while the GM was in the room?" <laughs> <laughs> if that tells you anything that you need to know about the Jaguar situation and and where they're at and where they're going, uh, that that's all you need to know. But yeah, I just thought I wanted to throw that in before we we finished off the episode. Uh, Kyle, got anything else sad? No, nothing much. Um, guys, thanks as always for tuning in. Um, yeah, we'll probably be consistently on Wednesday or Thursdays from like here on out, I think. But uh, guys, as always, we love you. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks for keeping us going. Yeah. Thank you guys, as always, for the support. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, I mean, longer episode this week again, uh, just because a lot going on with, with uh, football off the field, especially this week. Uh, but next week, we're going to have some more topics and get back into some other, other sports. Um, yeah, we'll catch you guys next week.